Hello, everyone. This is Jonathan back again from pureandsimplebible.com, and, uh, and I'm so grateful once again for your willingness to tune in and follow along as we go through this podcast journey together. Now, this week I have Noah Martin back on the show. We are finishing up an excellent Bible study conversation on holiness. Now, if you did get the chance to listen to the first one, then you'll know where we're going. If you haven't had the chance to look at the first part of this mini-series, go back and listen to the first one, and then come back here. And when you do that, you'll know that we've been spending a lot of time talking about sin and how this calling that God has called us to, this high calling of holiness, how sin really strips and takes away from that calling. Now, we've spent the majority talking about sin. We're going to talk a little bit more about it today, but then we're going to jump into the how and the why of holiness. So, so buckle up and let's jump in, shall we? So we talked about how sin... Uh, insults God and his glory. The first point was that sin, it's like a battle. It's fighting against us. There's one more in this little section that we're talking about sin. Uh, Help me finish it off. That third point is that sin is ultimately opposed to our calling. Right. So this kind of goes back to what we just talked about with the little white lie versus the, you know, somebody committing a capital offense. You, You made the point that's it goes against our calling so we shouldn't even be trying to do the little sins if we're going to be living to God's way so maybe I jumped again with that question earlier but <laughs> I'll give you opportunity now to flesh it out sure um, Romans 3 and 23 when we sin we fall short of the very glory of God okay any sin and you know while yes you can look at that as I broke a rule uh, the essence of it is that you've broken a law that is derived from God's very character and being, and that is his glory. Right. And that just brings so much more eternal weight to everything that we do. We read in Ephesians 4 that once we're baptized into Christ, we're to put off the old man with his corrupt and his mm-hmm. deceitful desires and mm-hmm. put on the new man. Right. And to never return. And the key thing in that, to put on the new man, that shift is the transition of the way you think, to transform your mind and be renewed in the spirit of our minds that. Uh, we can be created in the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Why don't you go back to First Peter? Um, I'm thinking about in chapter 2, there's this great connection about the calling to which we've been called. There's a lot of just very special language there. Absolutely. Go for it. Yeah, First Peter 2 and verse 9, a very famous passage. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So in that light, what sense is there in returning to the ways of the world? Mm -hmm. And I know I'm as guilty of this as any other person when I go back into sin. I always have to stop and think, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. It's because I I go back into it because I want to, and I want to please the the fleshly desires that I have. But... When you think about it, what God has promised us is so much. Yeah. It's worth so much more. The promise of eternal life if I choose to deny my selfish desires in the moment. Right. I can have an eternal reward. And what an amazing thing that is. You know, it made me think of this. I hate whenever, I have not done it recently, thankfully, 
but I can remember having a little bit less discretion when I was a teenager, and I might be saying something about someone, and then they were right behind me. Yeah. <laughs> and suddenly you're like, ooh, you know, because they're right there, and you feel that much worse because they heard you say it. Yep. It was still wrong if they weren't there. Right. But it was worse when you knew they heard it. You've been caught. Right? So th- I think about that with sins where it's just me. Mm-hmm. And no one's there. If you were able to have that mindset of knowing God is there, God is watching, yep. it would be so much more difficult to go through with it in the same way it would be to talk about that person. If you knew, if you just knew they were right behind you whenever you, you know, you wouldn't have said that thing. Yeah. Yeah. There's a phrase that brother Greg, Greg Gay uses. He says, practice Jesus presence mm. all around us. You know, if you, if you're watching a show, and you practice Jesus' presence on the couch next to you, what is he thinking about this, right. this scenario that's going on on the screen right now? Right. Or, um, you know, when I'm going out on Friday night with my friends, mm-hmm. what does Jesus think about the situations I'm putting myself in or the conversations that I'm having with people? Right. You mention in your notes about what happens when you do give in to that sin, when you give up the calling. And it's a pretty grotesque comparisons. What do the scriptures say about people who give up the calling and go back to the sinful ways? Well, Second Peter chapter two and verse twenty-two likens this to uh, a dog returning to his throw-up. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, gross. Um, and it also talks about a pig going back to the mud right. to wallow in it after being cleaned. Right. We don't have dogs, and that's one of the reasons <laughs> they're disgusting creatures. And I know there's dog and cat lovers out there yeah. that are going to hate me for saying that, but. Every time you let them lick your face, all I can think of is that dog probably ate its own vomit today. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Don't think about it, right? <laughs> now, besides the joke of that, is the compare, what, what is this the equivalent of? This is the equivalent of me when I've been baptized and I'm trying to walk in the light as he is the light saying, no, I would rather go back to whatever sin I was committing because I like it. And Paul, or rather Peter saying, yeah, that's like a dog eating its own vomit. Right. It's disgusting. It defies common sense. Right. If you really stop and think about <laughs> it, like I don't want to go back to that. Right. I was baptized for a reason uh-huh. and I've just lost sight of it. Well, this has been fantastic, but I got to talk about holiness. Right. <laughs> At some point we're going to have getting, to jump We're getting in. close. <laughs> <laughs> so um, when we, we see that sin opposes it, right? So I, I see it that God's calling, um, when I abandon it, I'm truly going back to some pretty awful ways. Maybe it would be good for us to look at First Peter, those verses that we read way back at the beginning of our conversation. Mm-hmm. We, we talked about how we were going to look at them kind of expositorily. But um, take me through those verses, but also give me kind of the, I don't know, the mechanics of holiness. You know, the, the how holiness functions, why holiness matters. We've already described what it is, mm-hmm. and that is it's being set apart are separate from something specifically sin, but also being filled with that sacredness, that something special or different, which is, you know, God's righteous ways. So jump back in and uh, maybe help me understand how this scripture in first Peter will teach me about holiness. So looking at first Peter chapter one, verses 13 through 19 is the section of text that I would break down. Okay. And you can look at it as how we're to be holy and why we're to be holy. So verses 13 through 15 talk about how we're to be holy. He says, therefore gird up the loins of your mind and be sober 
and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to former lusts, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing he says is gird up the loins of your mind. You know, I don't use that phrase often. Maybe I should, you know, be like, kids, it's time to go to school. Really? You don't Gird use up that? thy loins. I use it every day. <laughs> <laughs> I could see Mr. Martin in the second grade right, classroom. Kids, <laughs> time to gird up. up the loins of your mind. <laughs> but oh. all joking aside, what does it mean? Well, um, you know, in old, old times, they wore tunics as garments. Right. And so this idea of girding up was for a man to kind of raise up the the fabric of the tunic and wrap it around his, his, uh, legs in order to be prepared for battle. Okay. So it was a preparation in a sense. And so we can apply this as you're preparing your mind. It's a mental preparation here. Uh Uh-huh. So girding up the loins of the mind is the equivalent of them wrapping up their garments and, uh, preparing for battle. I like that, that connection. This visual is really cool. What does it have to do with holiness? Well, in order to wrap our head around holiness, we're going to have to be prepared in our mind to think about how we're going to abstain from sin because mm. it, it must be active. Mm-hmm. You know, the next thing he says is to be sober-minded. That is mental sobriety. If we're going to be active in our preparation, we have to get rid of anything that opposes holiness within right. our minds. Right. You know, some of the people that I have, I hate to use the word counseled, I'll just say encouraged. Some of the people I've encouraged who have struggled with sin, uh, they need to sober up their mind. And one of the ways that I try to just exercise it with them is just making up like a practical list. What are some practical things I could do to kind of sober up my mind? I'd like to share a couple and maybe have you share a couple as well. Okay. Uh, One question I like to ask them is, how is your prayer life? And so one way to sober up your mind is you, you need to be plugged in. If you're not plugged in in prayer, you know, you're you're spiritually starving, so to speak. And the right. other spiritual starving would be if you're not reading. And I found that people that typically have big problems, those big problems are just big symptoms of of they're spiritually starving to death. Yeah. And so we're seeing the result of it, like whatever the sin was that's bringing them down. But for me, they had not been sober through prayer, through reading. I know I've kind of taken the choice ones, but I'm wondering if you would bring up maybe a couple others. How, how would you give practical advice to someone who's struggling? How could they sober up? Well, one other thing I would add is community. Uh-huh. The importance of community. You know, we, we read in the Bible about the importance of confessing our sins to um, right. our brothers and sisters in Christ right. and how that will help us. You know, when you bring light to your secret sins, or the things that you struggle with that you feel like nobody else struggles with, mm-hmm. somebody else struggles with it. Right. And somebody else is able to empathize and walk with you through that. Um, I love it. And that helps you. Uh, it helps to be not only plugged in through prayer, but also plugged in through your congregation or where, where you worship and right. Christians across the world because those are people who are striving towards the same goal of yes. holiness. I love it. Yeah, it's the what's that old example where the person hadn't been to church in a while and preacher came to see him and they have like a I'm butchering the story they they had like a <laughs> chimney in the side of the house and he went and grabbed one coal took it out of the fire and just set it down uh-huh. on the hearth and 
they sat there watching it and it kind of fizzled out and they picked it up and was able to touch it and then put it back in the fire and it warmed up almost immediately. Yeah. Said, I'll see you on Sunday. You know, like <laughs> he, he got the lesson of nice. take the person out of the church and they're going to get cold real fast. Right. But when you put them back in, they'll warm up. So it's a wasteland out there. Yes. Yeah. I think that's why it's so important that we make it a priority to be in the house of worship anytime the doors are open. In addition to girding up the loins of the mind, right? Talking about ways that we're going to be sober-minded. Peter also talks about how we're resting our hope fully on God's grace. Uh, I noticed that, and I'd like for you to comment on it. Maybe help expand that thought. How are we going to rest our hope fully on God's grace? Well, in thinking about the eternal promise and the reward of heaven that we have waiting for us, um, through every storm, every trial, every day mm-hmm. in this life on earth, that reward has to be in our thinking. It should be our end goal. You know, when we go through an uncomfortable situation or when we've had to work really long hours one day or we've been on a long trip for a while, don't you right. usually find yourself saying, man, I want to go home? Mm, yeah, I just want to be home. Yeah. Well, in the same way, you know, Peter's telling us that if we focus through all of this spiritual warfare, on the great home that lies ahead for us, ultimately one day we're going to have that rest, that familiarity, and that comfort with God. Do you think that's why a lot of our songs in our songbooks are focused on where we're going? Like, yeah. I feel like we're building each other up a whole lot about heaven, and I'm not opposed to it. I think it's great. Absolutely. Like, but it's interesting how m- many of our songs are about how I can't wait to get there. It's like it's a reminder. And I think we'll, we won't even be able, we can't unlock that this side of earth because we just don't understand what it's like to right. be there. Right. But you know what it's like to be at home with your family. And it's, uh-huh. it's an amazing feeling. It is. And I must confess, I got into a weird line of work because I have to travel around the world. And uh, one would think that I'm, you know, always just super excited to get ready to go. Yeah. But there, even for me, there's no place like home. Right. I would rather be with my wife and kids, you know, than anywhere. I get it. But <sighs> I passed myself a tissue here. <laughs> okay. Um, maybe you could tell us about uh, in First Peter, let's see. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. So we're in First Peter chapter 1. We've read in verse 13 about how we're going to be sober-minded, resting our hope fully on the grace. But then it says that we're going to do this as obedient children. Interesting. Explain. Yeah. <laughs> Holiness requires more than just thinking. Ah. It requires submission to the authority of God's word in all our conduct, as verse 15 says. Now, there's okay. no passivity in girding up the loins of our mind. If you don't gird them up, you're going to fail in battle. It's, it's going to take a lot to cleanse all those impurities out of our mind. So this might be the... No duh question of the century then. <laughs> but our faith is not a casual one, is it? Absolutely not. A casual faith will get us nowhere. Right. Pew warmers are different than children of God who are obeying him faithfully, right? Yeah. So if my mindset is I'll come there for an hour a week and I'll do these things on a checklist, then that's enough. That's not enough. It's not. And it doesn't take away from what those are. And I, I want to say that because a lot of people are like, well, you're you're emphasizing the relationship without the duties. 
those duties are important and you better be there. Be there on Sunday, right. worship in spirit and worship in truth. But what we're trying to advocate is this is a, a lifestyle. It's not just a checklist of things I did for one hour. Absolutely. And uh, a deeper study of the book of Leviticus shows that. You know, really? these people, even the the priests and the lay people mm-hmm. alike, they had that holiness about them in all aspects, both in worship and in living. And I think we kind of get away from that because we're not such a physical uh, people. Right. Like they were back then right. set apart from the regions around them. Sure. Sure. It's a spiritual kingdom now. We've got a lot more thinking to do as we try to make that into something we can grasp. Mm. Well, I'd like to ask you my favorite question. It's also the favorite question of every three-year-old on the planet. <laughs> Why? Why holiness? Why does God call us to be holy? And I think, you know, maybe the audience that's listening to this, maybe they already have an answer themselves from what we've talked about. I hope mm-hmm. so, because I think, I think I know where we're going, but I'd like to give you the opportunity to explain why does holiness the thing that we're pursuing? Well, I think Peter puts it very well in verses 16 through 19 of that first chapter. Okay. There's there's four things that he mentions here. First, he says, because it is written. Oh. That alone tells us the authority of the scriptures. We cannot undervalue the power of it. And the fact that it's commanded for us, he's saying that should be enough right. for you. Which in our thinking, a lot of times, well, I told you so. It doesn't make <laughs> us want to do it. The motivation isn't necessarily there. Right. But- You know, if we believe the Bible makes us complete, like 1 Timothy 3 and Mm -hmm. 16 talks about, Mm -hmm. and that he equips us for every good work, then I'm going to be holy because God said to be holy. Right. You know, it also says because God is holy. Holiness is part of who God is. And if I'm trying to be like God, that's that's the the goal there. Mm 1 John 1 and 5 says that he is light and in in him is in no darkness. Yeah. Uh, Thirdly, Peter mentions God will be our impartial judge. Right. That's a fearful thing to think about, but that's what's coming if we don't align our standards with, with God in mm-hmm. the way that he wants us to be. His request for holiness will not come back void. You know, mm. Only a select people are going to get in to the gates because right. each will be judged according to his deeds with the word of God as the standard. Right. Revelation chapter 20, the book's going to be opened mm-hmm. and those whose names are not in it are going to be cast out. How's your name get in it? going to be written with holiness. Right. I like that. Right. And then the fourthly, I think most importantly, he says, because Jesus paid the ransom for our sin. That, I think, really is the driving point of what more do we need. God's word says we're to be holy. God's character is holy. God will judge us right. according to holy living. But ultimately, the final bit he gives us is that God came into this world in the flesh as Jesus Christ to live a holy life and pay the price for our salvation. Mm-hmm. So Christ is that ultimate um, example that we hold up for sacrifice. You know, how can we, knowing this, go on choosing to make his blood common, like we looked at in Hebrews 10, right. to indulge in temptation that leads to sin? And we've talked about Lot and his distress in sin. What about our Savior? Mm. You know, he endured the sweat and the pain and the agony mm-hmm. and the trauma of uh, the cross for my sin for your sin, for everyone's sin, for our sin. And he he did all this after leaving holy heaven. Mm-hmm. He was already in that home. Right. And he came here because he loved us mm. that much. And that is just so powerful to this oh, idea yeah. of holiness. You know, something that you didn't say in any of these, 
was we were doing it so that we could earn or like merit our mm. way into heaven. Yeah. That I'm going to be holy that way I could do, if I did a hundred things in life, I did 51 good, I 51 holy and 49 evil. Therefore, I, you better let me in. Yeah. I've said this several times on the podcast. And so like, it may be a broken record to some people who have listened to a lot of the episodes, but like at the center of our faith is God's grace. We access his grace through faith, like Romans chapter uh, 8, verse 1. We have access into his grace by faith on which we stand. Yeah. And that's what I appreciate about what you've just mentioned. You know, we're holy because God said so. We're holy because he's holy. Uh, We're holy because he's going to judge us by that holiness. And I love this last point that we're holy because Jesus paid the price. We're holy because he's holy. You know, he says, be holy because I'm holy. Therefore, my holiness is not based on what I get out of it. It's about giving him the glory and him the honor right. and reflecting you know, the illumination that comes down from heaven. I have to live that way. I can't get out of it. I have to live that way. But at the mindset of living that way is I'm doing it because of who you are, not because I'm you know, somehow going to be able to argue my way into heaven because of all the good I did. Right, and that, um, that grace is is what will break through the barrier of a holier-than-thou attitude. Aha. Uh-huh. Because okay. now I haven't unlocked a perspective that I'm doing this because of the great gift mm-hmm. that was given to mm-hmm. me, and I want to share it with other people. Not because I think I'm better than them, but because I want them to know the same joy that I find in holiness. Holy, A holy attitude has compassion. Mm-hmm. A holier-than-thou attitude does not. Right. Right? And so that a holy attitude says... That poor creature is not living up to God's standard. A holier-than-thou attitude says that person's not living up to my standard. Right. Big difference between the two. It takes on that pride and that selfishness. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, this has been a great conversation. I'm wondering if before we go, if you had a final word or any thought that maybe we haven't covered. Is there anything else to say about holiness? I think that this is just a massive topic. <laughs> Right. That you will always feel like you're skimming the surface on. Mm-hmm. And it's it's tough because it's a lifetime thing. There's no way of really knowing that you've accomplished it besides right. the fact that you're continually pressing towards it. And we're going to struggle with sin our whole life because that's the world we live in. And there's so many desires that we have. But the more we get into the word, the more we're plugged into prayer, mm-hmm. the more active we are in in the church and all those things going on uh, spiritually, the the better our life will be and the, the more holy our relationship will be with God. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, brother, so much for coming on. I'm grateful to have you. Grateful for the good conversation. Thanks for letting me come. I really enjoy it. I get to listen to this podcast all the time. It's <laughs> cool to finally be here in the studio. Now, now you're going to have to listen to yourself. Yeah. You're driving in the car going, oh, this is what I sound like. <laughs> I'm used to it. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks, brother. Well, I want to thank Noah once again for coming on. What a great young man of faith. Very thankful for him and for his uh, journey. Noah used to attend the Denton County Church of Christ where I worship and work with while he was in college at the University of North Texas, but he has now moved back to his home congregation, the Green Oaks Church of Christ in Arlington. Very thankful for him, for the church in Arlington, and for all the good works that they do. I wish him the best as a teacher and potentially as an elder someday in the Lord's Church. Now, 
Until next week, you can go to the website. I've got four great Bible study workbooks that you can download and use. There's videos. There's a podcast library. There's all sorts of resources for you to use and download absolutely free. Until next week, this is Jonathan Edwards. Always remember, God loves you very much. And I do too. We're willing. See you soon. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true, about a judge by the name of Gideon. He was a man like me.